Welcome to Rogue News. We are the preeminent geostrategic, geoeconomic, and geopolitical news show on YouTube and on the web. Join us for hard-hitting analysis, behind-the-scenes strategy, and brutal commentary. Find out why many consider us the place to get their news and information. Check us out at roguenews.com. Follow us on Twitter at Real Rogue News, Facebook, and most of the popular podcasting apps. Most of all, remember to subscribe, like, comment, and share. God, I love that music. Love it. Gets you pumped up for the morning. Folks, I hope you got your dark roast on. We have Velez with us. Velez is here. And he's going to break down the geopolitical, geoeconomic, lots of things going on, and a lot of the play-by-play behind the scenes. And before we even get into that, I want you guys to go over to mycbdedibles.com, mycbdedibles.com for all your CBD edible goodness. Go there, whether it's doggy treats or... or, or um, you name it, man. We have it there. Go get, go there, support the show, buy some products, enjoy it, get yourself healthy. And also check out roguenews.com. Roguenews.com, the nexus point, the zenith, the apex of the real news that's going on behind the scenes. Go there, roguenews.com, as we continue to grow. We're going to have some more and more exciting guests coming on in the next week or so. It's going to be pretty amazing. A lot of eye-opening. You guys are going to get a master class on how the world really works. And with that being said... Vela, CJ, what's up, gentlemen? How are you guys? Good morning, everybody. Doing great. Happy Friday and pumped Happy up for the Friday. weekend. Yes, yes, yes. I have my dark roast in hand and I'm amped. I'm amped. What do you guys want to get into today? I got some things. Um, and by the way, for all of you in the listening audience, be sure you got a uh, uh, card or did something special for the, the mothers in your lives, uh, whether that's biological or just, just someone you think highly of. And uh, to V's point, by the way, we're we're working on trying to see if we can get uh, Frank from Quite Frankly uh, on the show here in the yep. next week or two, and that'll be that'll be really cool. Frank's got a very different style, very different kind of show that he runs, but he's a very interesting dude and has on a lot of very interesting people on on his program. And he's um, <laughs> he's one of the folks still trying to hold the fort in the state of New York. I don't know why, man. I was like, Frank, you got to get the hell out of there. <laughs> I know he's he's got family. He brings his family on the show periodically, which is funny because it's like you need the you need the zoom lens because he's got a whole bunch of folks in there. <laughs> but yeah, to CJ and V's point, uh, and, and we've said this for a couple of weeks now. Please make sure you've bookmarked uh, the Road News website uh, and and have the backups over there on D Live or Twitch uh, as well as YouTube here. Although we're definitely trying to to watch what we say uh, on the air. And uh, also, if you haven't already, uh, consider the Discord uh, channel. Send a note to CJ about that, because uh, I, I and Gus and others, we have our own pages over there. And I, I've certainly been keeping keeping quite a bit of contact uh, hitting that. Uh, shout outs to the guy in South Florida. I hope you're well, my friend. 
to those still holding the hill out in California, hang in there. Uh, to the Wednesday and Thursday night crowd at Shelley's Back Room in Washington, D.C. near K Street. Uh, I miss you, my favorite lords and ladies of order. Uh, <laughs> To the cleaning crew at Area A6 of Groom Lake, uh, thank you for the work you do. And to the fire crews in the western United States, because Lord knows we're going to need you this summer. Uh, hang in there and may the universe keep you all safe, because we're expecting a dry, a dry summer and you are all going to be very busy. Um, wanted to offer a thought piece, um, whether in your daily life or even uh, for those in the golden cage of being billionaires, um, Chuck Yeager, uh, passed away recently. He was a great test pilot and a great fighter pilot during World War II. I read his, I read his book and I've, I read a lot of articles and things about him or, or Love Yeager. contributed to, uh, real straight talking <laughs> sort of guy. Um, but in his own words, um, was he a great pilot because he had excellent 2020 vision and his answer was no. Uh, was it because he was a well-trained pilot, whether in war or as a test pilot, receiving many hours of training from the manufacturers whose aircraft he was flying? Uh, in his own words, again, he said it helped, but no. Uh, so what was it? He had both uh, steel. Well, that. Uh, and he ate, he drank, and he did small favors for his ground crews, maintaining his planes regularly, whether it was during World War II or when he was a test pilot. He would spend hours with his ground crew to understand the aircraft at their level and their understanding. And many times he would sit around with them and they would say, well, yes, we know the manufacturer of the P-51 says you can do X, but Chuck, that's only if certain conditions are correct. Otherwise, we wouldn't push the aircraft to that level. It's like, I don't care what the manual tells you. We maintain the plane and we're telling you, you can't do that. So as a result, Jaeger many times returned to airfields and, and on a couple of occasions, his fighter plane was on fire. <laughs> But he knew the plane could take it. And other times he scrubbed missions because one small readout on a meter said something to him that he's like, I won't make it back if I don't, if I don't turn this plane around. So the point is, we always have to double check and dig in on whether it's our sources of information or the folks we work with or the business you run or the people with whom you've worked. I've had many senior manager that I've worked with as a consultant that's so exhausted that they can't really stay close to their frontline personnel and... You know, uh, a famous uh, German general once said, tanks, tanks run on fuel, soldiers run on rations. I have to eat and march as my soldiers do in order to know what they can take. And so it's kind of the same thing in the circumstances in which we find ourselves. Don't, don't make any assumptions. Always make sure you understand the backstories. And again, that's, that's why what we do here at Rogue is to try and give you some of those insights. Um, last housekeeping item. We have no answers on Nashville's thermobaric explosion from last December, nor the OVH cloud from last from last March. So I'll I'll pause and ask CJ and V, did they have anything before I move into the the next section here? No, um, no, I was just I was just remembering uh, fond footage of uh, Chuck Yeager and the X fifteen, and you know just being dropped from a belly of a B thirty six and trying to break that sound barrier, man. Yeah, it's it. There was a political cartoon by McNelly. Uh, he was the guy that used to do the the cartoon in the Sunday newspaper called Shoe, where he showed a couple coming out of the movie The Right Stuff, and it was the whole thing when um, John Glenn was running for president, and the the guy looks at his wife and goes, "I don't care what you say, I'm voting for Yeager for president." It's <laughs> um, <laughs> kind of guy he was. The other thing I liked about about Yeager was. Um, 
one of his close friends that he used to go fishing with in a private spot up in Colorado was none other than Victor Belenko. Oh, uh, the, yeah, the Soviet pilot who flew the MiG-25 into uh, Japan. Yep. Yeah. And uh, uh, I saw Jaeger interviewed on on Larry King, and he and Larry King almost dropped out of his chair. He's like, wait a minute, you you actually know where Belenko is? And he's like, because, you know, Belenko was under protective, uh, yep. uh, what do you call it, watch here in the United States because the Soviet Union wanted to kill him. And uh, Jaeger's like, oh, yeah, I got him over at the house all the time. He's like, we go fishing up in Colorado. And I, I read an article once where Belenko had said that Jaeger, Jaeger was one of the few men in America he ever met that, that understood him or something, something <laughs> like that. Which, um, but anyway, um, so getting into a new section, uh, I had a, a close friend pull me aside after last week's show and, and give me some counsel. And so I'm, I'm going to follow through with that. So I've got a, a new section here on, on my Friday show that I'm going to add called Victories. Uh, which I thought we all could could use some of this. Um, these are also areas that we can learn from. So at the school level, here's a couple for you. Uh, the Loudoun County, Virginia parents, now I mentioned this one a couple times previously, that they were being doxxed by their kids' own teachers because they opposed the school's curriculum. And they fought back by hiring IT forensics experts through their attorneys. And I know I've mentioned that before. I always have an attorney hire the experts you need because then they're protected under privilege if you have to go to court. Um, now those legal cases are being reviewed by the Virginia Attorney General. We'll see where that leads us. Uh, the parents in South Lake, a suburb outside Dallas this week, mm. uh, took control of the school board after reacting to a massive woke campaign of critical race theory being taught in the schools. Good. So the parents voted out the school board and voted yep. themselves in. Parents in Vail, Arizona, which is south of Tucson, uh, demanded the school board drop the mask mandate. And so many parents and citizens showed up that the school board canceled the meeting and they called the sheriff's department to, to disperse the parents. Now, what happened was the parents had read up. And so under the state's laws and under Robert's rules of order, a group of parents impromptu got together and proceeded to have an on-the-spot vote and voted in a new school board. And once the new school board was sworn in, they removed the mask mandate. Ha, lovely. Uh, the Tennessee state government is working on a piece of legislation to block critical race theory being taught in any schools, whether private or public, in the state of Tennessee. Uh, Blanchester, which is a suburb of Cincinnati, uh, this week on May 4th, the school board has relaxed the mask mandates in defiance of the Ohio Department of Health. Uh, this is kind of notable because Mike DeWine is is a Republican, quote unquote. He's been described as being a rhino. So anything coming from his office is kind of suspect. Uh, I would also point out as far as Ohio's government uh, is concerned, there was an, uh, we had this on another show. There was a, an investigation into possible corruption in Ohio's government, including possibly, again, quote unquote, the governor's office concerning kickbacks to power companies in the state. Uh, which is another reason why I'm kind of surprised that this school board took took this action, but more power to them. Uh, as I mentioned on a prior show, the chief witness in that investigation died mysteriously in Florida a few weeks ago. So again, kudos to the, the Blanchester uh, school board. Uh, at the law enforcement level, uh, the police officer who was suspended for making, uh, you know, joking videos of LeBron James, I uh, just wanted to point out that the campaign for his legal defense has now raised $440,000. Oh, wow. So that's how you do it, folks. And then large corporations, we've got two items. Uh, Coke has paused their woke campaign due to a massive backlash. And the big one, which has been said by a number of folks here on Rogue, 
they're losing money. Uh, the creator of the plan for Coke, their woke campaign, who was an attorney, uh, has resigned. And Coke is reanalyzing uh, how often they want to open their mouth about social issues rather than, I don't know, taking care of the shareholders of the company. That's just me. Um, second item, Major League Baseball is considering moving the game back to Atlanta. So stay tuned. We'll see about that one. <laughs> and then Judicial Watch. Uh, take some time, folks, and review the latest docket of legal cases that Judicial Watch um, is managing. Uh, things like in Iowa, they're suing for records on why Silicon Valley was suppressing voter information in that state, uh, which is kind of interesting because Iowa is not exactly what I would call a blue state. So if they're doing it there, you can only imagine what was happening in, in other states, which is why Judicial Watch is, is filing both FOIAs with the Government Freedom of Information Act uh, as well as other other legal cases for discovery. And then last but not least, just kind of an overall summary of the, the victories there. Um, it's about approach and timing, folks. Always get your facts together before you act. Uh, be careful that you know what the, the repercussions may be by, by what actions you may or may not take. Uh, they may not be as bad as people may imply, but always be sure. Um, always speak to the right people. Uh, and if necessary, you know, get your forensics folks, whether IT or similar, and the right keyword, the right kind of attorneys. Uh, make sure you know the law. There's a lot of detail that's on the internet that you can review of your own before you even talk to an attorney to kind of close the gap there. Um, read up on procedures and voting rules in school boards and local committees and how they run uh, based on the example I gave. A lot of other places, when parents were told to disperse, I don't think they would have known that the rules say that if the school board steps down or refuses to hold a meeting, that that, that right there, you can, you can move them out. Uh, they did their homework first. The other thing, too, is I know the minute anybody says lawyer, people get concerned about the costs. Uh, you can always split lawyer costs with a group of like-minded folks. Uh, and then the other thing, too, is, um, you know, because you don't want the taxi meter running there. The other one is, is you can ask the attorney to just take it pro bono. So many of the school systems I mentioned, yes, these are high net worth communities. Let's be candid about that. But I would advise you to look at it this way. Those are the folks who know how to handle these situations a little better because they've got the money to buy the right kinds of people. Now they've laid the groundwork. Now it's a function of other communities learning how to mimic uh, what happened with either dealing with the corporations I mentioned or, or school boards or local government or similar. So with that, I'll take a pause and, and ask V and CJ for, for comment. Hmm. I have no comment. CJ, how about you? <laughs> you know, I, I get like Judicial Watch and um, pro, not Project Veritas. Yeah, Project Veritas, the James O'Keefe and everything. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I, guys, I tell you what, you know, as much as everything work that those guys do and I get it, I don't know what results it yields. You, you, you follow me? I don't. It's like nothing ever changes, right? I mean, Judicial Watch has filed more Freedom of Information Acts and everything else, and I, I don't know what has changed systematically <laughs> with anything, whether it's the FBI or, or, or whatever. I I don't know. I might be more inclined to, um, you know, to take that whatever money, whatever, and and maybe in, invest it, or I think we're getting down that timeline where essentials and everything else. Not that I don't support their work or anything like that, but just getting back to that whole model of um, – Results matter. Um, you know, you have you have to question. I'm glad they exposed quite a bit. Don't get me wrong, but what changes? CNN is still operational, and Planned Parenthood still operational from all the whistleblowing there. Hillary Clinton still free. Um, 
there really hasn't been any systematically anything that's yielded any any change uh, with that. Um, I support his work. I get his newsletter and everything. So that's just just my two cents, not being negative or anything about it, but just being re- realistic. And I, I understand your perspective. And I've got a lot of people who feel the same way and are very frustrated, have gotten frustrated with me uh, on that topic. And the only thing I can offer, because I completely respect what you're saying, is, is it's a distance race. And sometimes the distance involved in that race can be <laughs> a little disheartening. I mean, I had a, a friend of mine tell me, I got a pretty big pair of binoculars I'm looking at, and I still don't see where <laughs> where I've got corrective action. And I'm like, it's it's small victories. It's a groundswell. Um, yeah, the entire system's crap. It needs it needs burned down. It, 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 it does. I mean, if they can turn on Roger Stone on a heartbeat and swarm his house, and, and I'm not exactly sure what happened with Giuliani, but yet the good people can expose all this stuff and nothing happens. I mean, you gotta, you gotta question that. And and how much time and energy am I going to pour into that anymore? Uh, knowing that the entire system is, is corrupt, broken, and uh, doesn't need to exist anymore. Well, and to your own prior point, uh, CJ, you know, local, I mean, local, local is, is, is the area where you've got the most immediate cost benefit, if you will. I, I've said it myself a number of times on this show. I, the only thing I can think in Washington that might be corrective is to just get billionaires to fight with each other or find some way to make them do that uh, and get their attention off of us. So I'll move into uh, the news. Um, and to CJ's point, I'd, I'd recommend uh, there's an article in the Wall Street Journal opinion piece about Jordan Peterson. Um, he certainly has some excellent advice on on fighting back against the bullies he's dealt with in both academia and other places where he's he's spoken. Um, a wacky thought: uh, if current and future inflation is going to cause food prices, among other things, to increase, does that mean that Americans will be losing weight? I'm sort of joking, but not when I say that. Uh, think about that from the perspective of global. Wait a minute. So, we're, we're, are you telling me we're going to go from the we're going to have our own version of the Maduro diet? It's called a Biden diet. <laughs> Doctor <laughs> Evil? Would that be evil? Um, and in the same vein, if small business owners are struggling or going under because their workforce would rather take government checks than work, then that's its intention the whole time to drive those businesses under. And we've we've talked about that on this show a lot. I know Gus has talked about it. I know CJ and V have talked about it. Um, v, near and dear to your heart, I know we were talking about this one last night. Uh, a test launch of a Minuteman 3 ICBM this week failed. <laughs> <laughs> They're investigating. It failed under uh, a minute. Yeah. <sighs> Well, all I'm going to say about that is, is I've actually seen how at least land-based intercontinental ballistic missiles are fired, and it's <laughs> this is really the wrong analogy to use, but it's it's like launching a a a, a bottle rocket on the yeah. on July Fourth. I mean, it's, it's two so- inert chemicals. Once they meet, the engine fires. There's no like quote turning it off. So if the thing had launched, and by the way, there, there was no warhead on board. It was just a test launch. But, but once those things launch, that's, that's kind of it. There's, there's no, oh, steer it this way. So, I mean, good thing they didn't let it leave the, the silo. But, yeah, a lot of, a lot of people are going to be embarrassed trying to explain that one. Um, Honeywell was fined $13 million for sharing unapproved documentation with China and other countries. Uh, just a thought. Uh, how about we freeze all their current federal contracts as a warning to the rest of the herd? Um, especially given how many U.S. jobs Honeywell has eliminated and sent to Mexico and other countries. I'm 
very personally aware of what Honeywell's been doing in the Southwest, especially in Phoenix. Um, they've been moving everything lock, stock, and barrel across the border because it doesn't cost them as much. The safety standards are relaxed, et cetera, et cetera. So every time I hear somebody say, well, it's a cost-saving measure, it's like, I don't think you quite understand what they're doing. Uh, Starwood Energy has submitted a letter to Texas officials and ERCOT, uh, the power group there in Texas, indicating their interest in building 11 natural gas-powered plants in Texas who can produce one gigawatt each for an increase in 11 in the state's grid. Uh, this would enable what's called dispatchable power as needed in the grid, uh, including uh, these plants having the ability to fire up as needed, which in the industry is what they call a black start, meaning you're firing up the plant. just It's just been sitting there and you fire it up as needed. Um, my, I commend the sales rep who came up with that one because that was an unsolicited bid. Uh, <laughs> that's just an energy company going, hey, uh, we'd like to sell it to you for this and you didn't ask for this proposal and here it is anyway. Um, hedge funds are betting on higher oil prices. Of course they are. And Bill Gates and the farmland uh, item. Uh, my thanks to Crazy Days and Nights again. Uh, the rumor there is, is that Bill is using... <laughs> God help us. Bill is using those farms to work with the Chinese to raise super breeds of farm animals. Please stay oh, tuned God. to the obvious horror movie that's going to be coming out of that one. God. Uh, Joe Rogan interviewed Josh Rogan. No, no relation between the two of them. Um, he had, uh, Josh had an amusing soundbite on Joe's interview with him. Um, while the folks in the United States who become a threat to elites uh, seem to kill themselves by shooting themselves 10 times or more with a nail gun, uh, China has uh, a different sort of reality, which I find interesting, which is when Chinese elites go at it, uh, evidently uh, you jump out of windows two or three times to make sure that you killed yourself. Oh, yeah, it uh, happens. I think, I think there's a serious graduate paper in there for somebody out in academia to do a study globally to see what are the preferred methods uh, whether nail gun or jumping from buildings two or three times. Um, and then uh, a topic we've covered quite a bit here, uh, the computer and telecommunications uh, data center thing. Uh, they continue to be one of the biggest consumers of electricity in the world. Um, and as many of you know, I was in that industry for quite some time, and I certainly understand why that is. So when I see all these people saying that these facilities need to go green, that's kind of nonsense. Um, Yes, they can adopt energy-saving procedures and things, but the amount of juice those buildings need is is only going to grow. And the funny thing is, is there's really nobody to blame but we, the consumer. Uh, we've gone from a world in the 1990s of using uh, 56 kilobit or 64 kilobit dial-up across your phone line to now we can stream 4K movies uh, to your home TV or your computer. And all that data moving through those networks is very power intensive. And as we discussed a few weeks ago, uh, exotic materials like lithium for the backup systems in those data centers. Data centers for years used what were called deep cycle batteries, similar to what, what you might use in a boat. And they had rows of these things and you had, had uh, gas venting because the batteries tend to give off some, some uh, acidic, not steam exactly, but vapor. And they sat on these racks and things, and you had to you had to constantly check to make sure they weren't leaking. Well, the, the lithium systems are are much much better, but they're incredibly expensive. Uh, and so, as as we've discussed about the topic of lithium and other rare earth metals, uh, those prices are going to continue to skyrocket. This is another reason why, although it may seem odd at first, um, 
why, you know, as we mentioned a few weeks ago, Bolivia's government was nearly overthrown uh, a few months ago by one of its former presidents. Uh, not because they had some sort of social agenda, but because a bunch of people in the, com- in the commodities world wanted access to Bolivia's lithium, which begs the question, how many more cases like that are we going to see as these prices go up? Uh, the International Energy Agency announced this week that governments around the world need to start stockpiling rare earth elements for green energy projects. Uh, that also is just going to continue to jack those prices up. And then another inflation and supply chain item we've discussed is about lumber. Now, interestingly, uh, the free market does do its job if you'll let it. Um, people nationwide are now setting up portable mills and producing lumber locally. So if you need lumber, you may not necessarily need to go to Lowe's or Home Depot. You may just want to go look on the Internet and see if there's a portable mill in your area from whom you can uh, you can buy that. Marie Le Pen, uh, French politics fame, um, her biggest crime in France is she dares to be concerned about French citizens in France. Uh, and that's, yes, and that's high stakes heresy to the globalists. So as a result, they go after her at every opportunity. And she was acquitted this week uh, in France of French hate speech, law, speech laws because she had been posting images of ISIS atrocities. Let me say that again. She was posting images of atrocities committed by ISIS and the French government accused her of hate speech. As we live in a land where reality does not exist. And last item in the news, uh, a woman Swiss diplomat fell to her death in Iran this week. Uh, She was the number two person at the diplomatic mission and was the primary point of contact for the U.S. interests section at the embassy with the Iranian government. And as the old saying goes, nothing to see here, folks. So with that, I'll pause and look to CJ and V again. Did you have some comments and thoughts on that? Well, um, no. <laughs> All right. Hey, you're, on, you're on a roll, brother. So our, our last section here for me today, uh, getting back into my whole kind of deeper content thing, is something I'm just loosely referring to as, quote-unquote, why. Uh, and this is not, disclaimer, not trying to depress anybody. I'm trying to, to point out changing of tactics, looking behind the scenes, kind of the similar themes I go with, um, and not getting played based on examples that I've talked about before. Also, props to CJ, because uh, on the show with Gus on Wednesday, he was pointing out several examples, um, as he did a little earlier, about results matter. Uh, no matter what anybody is saying, what's, what's the results? So we've talked previously about our powerful people uh, playing us and or how, how do they do it. Uh, and as I've often said to my consulting clients, um, certain topics I know can be upsetting and painful. And, you know, in the case of a number of private sector firms, I'm trying to fix a problem that's been around for 10 years and everybody knows the problem's there, but nobody wants to talk about it because then that would mean that we would admit we let this problem go on for 10 years. So help us help us with some State Department language so we can explain away that it's not not the fault of the people in this room. Um, but I want to give some examples over roughly the past hundred years and and point out what happened, what could have happened, etc. I'm going to pick one area of Stalin's actions in the Soviet Union, specifically the Holodomor, and Stalin was responsible for a lot of horrible things in the Soviet Union. There is a monument in Canada to the Holodomor. Uh, which is is 
the word is is in the Ukrainian language, and it's it's basically the uh, another another term for the word Holocaust. Um, Stalin used starvation shortly after the revolution, after Lenin was was dead. He used starvation to drive terror across the country, and he drove out landowners and successful farmers out of the Ukrainian region of what had become the Soviet Union. Um, these people were labeled as as what was called kulaks. Now, why would he do that? Um, because Ukraine was Europe's breadbasket under Imperial Russia. Uh, during the Imperial period, the, the Russian government farmers had learned how to grow a special kind of wheat called winter wheat that thrived in the rougher, rougher conditions in, in uh, Russia's soil. Stalin wanted to control food because food is a great way to keep people in line. Now, there were a lot of reporters when this began to happen who were trying to report on this. Uh, there's a woman reporter named Raya Kleiman, um, uh, one of several uh, brave Canadians out there. Um, she was reporting on Stalin's actions, and she also was one of the first to report on what was going on in Nazi Germany in the 1930s before World War II had even broken out. And her articles were repressed, and she safely lived through those years. Uh, but she faced a lot of heat for, for doing that. Uh, Gareth Jones, a Welsh reporter, um, had been reporting extensively on the Holodomor in Ukraine. He traveled around the country and was reporting directly on, on what he had seen himself. 1935, Gareth was murdered in Mongolia under Stalin's orders, where, ironically, Gareth was in Mongolia trying to report on Japanese atrocities uh, in that area of, of uh, Mongolia. Um, <clears throat> there were rumors for years that the Japanese had killed Gareth, but it came out in the 1990s that, that once the archives of the Soviet Union and the KGB were opened up, that actually Stalin had given the order uh, to have, have Gareth killed. Um, and another homage to Matt Arrett, uh, speaking of amazing Canadians, uh, one of his favorite groups that he talks about often is called the Fabian Society in the United Kingdom. It's kind of um, tied to the London School of Economics. Uh, during this same period of what was going on in Ukraine, there were writers from the Fabian Society in the UK uh, saying that Stalin's purges hadn't gone far enough and it was necessary to create a perfect society based on that era's globalists and eugenicists and social engineers. Um, I note this because it's part of history and it's practically never mentioned in, in history classes or similar. But it's important also to point that out again. The intellectuals in the Fabian Society in the United Kingdom felt Stalin was not killing enough people. I actually read an article by a known woman uh, Fabian uh, commentator where during the show trials, she kept saying that that Stalin just needs to keep killing more people until because this is what's necessary to force humanity to evolve. And I just find it both sad and pathetic that that sort of thinking is still present with us today. And in the end, the Holodomor was not stopped. Uh, governments did not intervene. Uh, many thousands of Ukrainians were able to escape. Uh, many settled in, in Canada and the United States. We had what happened in Armenia at the end of World War I. Uh, rather ironically, the White House is, has uh, <laughs> decided now is the time to raise that issue again. Um, and that what occurred after World War I in Armenia was not just Armenians, but also ethnic Greeks. Um, again, it was more well-known. There was a lot more reporting on it. Uh, I actually know in my local area here uh, an uh, anesthesiologist whose uh, family escaped out of Armenia during those events. 
for years, though, governments have tried to investigate what happened or to publicly note uh, the Armenian Holocaust. And the Turkish government has blocked it at every turn uh, until recently, which is why I'm, I still remain confused. I, I know it was just a, a shot from the hip. But of all times for the United States government to decide we want to say something about the Armenian Holocaust, I just find it ironic that it was in the past few weeks. The ERA movement of the 1970s, uh, did the amendment pass? No. We can debate whether it was relative or, or it would have been relevant or effective. But all those speeches and all those marches, nothing. Peace protests in the 1960s. The war went on for 10 years. Now, it created the weather underground, the Symbionese Liberation Army who carried out domestic terrorism in the United States. But based on the stated goals of all of those peace protesters in the 1960s, you could argue they achieved nothing. We had the anti-war movement against the U.S. military in the 1980s in both the United States and Europe. One of the main demands was the United States remove short-range nuclear missiles. Did they achieve anything? Were the missiles removed? No. Uh, something near and dear to those of us from that era was, was in the 1980s. We had uh, a lot of famine across Africa. Uh, we had groups singing songs like We Are the World, and I know Bob Geldof made a name for himself. <laughs> but was the starvation stopped? Well, no. I mean, it was basically you had to wait until the droughts moved through. Food was shipped into those countries. But much like we saw in uh, Somalia, uh, it was used as, as a political weapon. And, of course, the people of Ethiopia have certainly suffered enough, and the last thing they needed was to, to go through that yet again. And in the current context, BLM, Antifa, Proud Boys, and a host of others, we've said this before, um, Name me a single thing any of those groups have actually accomplished based on their stated goals. What have they accomplished? Whether they're liberal or conservative causes, what has been improved by their actions? And of course, to paraphrase Gus again, as I've done before, if they really wanted to change something, go protest outside the governor's mansion. Go protest outside the IMF or the World Bank. Go, go break up the next Bilderberger meeting or the next Council on Foreign Relations meeting. Or go bother some billionaires. That might get something done. And of course, now we know what? That these groups are led by FBI informants. But yet, they both claim they're in opposition to each other. So we have to ask the question as we move through the 20th century and into the 21st. Something has to be getting accomplished. I mean, George Soros and Lord Malik Brown are spending billions so that every single effort they support can fail. That's a pretty crappy investment for people at that level of world society. So then we have to ask the question, what failed exactly versus what was said versus what these groups were trying to accomplish versus what really happened? And it comes back to why. Why, would, why do certain parties want to support these groups why would the average citizen support certain groups if they do their research and understand what exactly are they doing? This is misdirection. Why do these groups or causes exist? It's not for anything we want in most cases. It's for others, and it's usually somebody at the billionaire level or the U.S. intelligence level. So to take a page from business consulting and to paraphrase CJ again, it's about outcomes and goals. We have to look at what are the outcomes and the goals. 
So if you're in opposition to something, if you're protesting something, regardless of your politics, if you're in a letter writing campaign, you have to ask yourself a question. I want to be very clear. Number one, I'm not suggesting violence in the slightest way, shape, or form. I still believe in working through the system as difficult as that can be. But the other thing is, is are your tactics working? It doesn't have to be immediate. If your goal was to expose something through a FOIA and your FOIA request was, was successful, then okay. Then from there, it's up to academics and others or, or folks in the alt community to kind of pick that up and take it where it needs to go. But we all really need to, uh, from the movie uh, Chariots of Fire, we all really need to look at this as an economy of effort. And again, I know he is um, abhorrent to especially folks in the, in the libertarian or conservative crowd, but this is where Saul Alinsky comes in again. You've, you've got to read people like Alinsky. And you've got to understand that, and I've said this before, who was it that Saul Linsky used to go out to various people's high-end parties and everything else? Who was his buddy that he used to hang out a lot with? Andrew Breitbart. Now, am I saying the two of them are in on it, kind of like Proud Boys and Antifa? No. But it's the same dynamic as G. Gordon Liddy hanging out with Timothy Leary, who he arrested. <laughs> And I know there's people out there that know that, that Leary was probably a CIA asset as well. And God knows Liddy was involved in darn near everything. But the point is, I saw Liddy and um, Leary, uh, a, a documentary about the two of them doing their roadshow. They go, used to go around and debate each other at college campuses and stuff. The guys were friends. Their wives used to hang out all the time because they understood each other because, for lack of a better word, their views were at such extremes. They were closer to each other than the average person. Alinsky and Breitbart, in a strange twist, were both trying, channeling CJ here, trying to change the system at a more extreme level. And in that regard, they perfectly understood each other. They had violent differences of the direction that should go. But they understood, and Alinsky said it best, you can bring a bureaucracy to its knees by just relying on its own contradictions. What does that mean? You look at a group like Scientology who brought the treasury department to the table and begged them, just get this heat off of us. What did they do? They sent all their members to go read all of the long lengthy bureaucratic documentation that even the treasury department itself didn't know. And they found every loophole, every angle to say under this federal rule, I want to now protest this. And I want a, a hearing on this. And I want arbitration on this. And it was tying up the whole agency. They couldn't get anything done. And then because they had so many members, the folks at Scientology kept writing letters directly to the members and leaders of the Treasury Department, the IRS, at their homes. Which is somewhat legal until somebody serves you with a warrant saying, you know, this is harassment, stop it. Yeah. But the net of it is... They found that the IRS, in the interest of being fair, and by the way, I've worked for a number of federal agencies, and I can tell you, the federal government will hurt itself in order to be fair because they're trying all, whether it's contracts or whatever. I've seen this so many times. People protest a contract for two years before the thing can even get started because the government wants to be fair. And so there's a lot of that at the state and local level that you can take advantage of. Um, one of the areas that I'm very familiar with is a number of, of uh, a little left field, a number of um, condo associations across the United States. 
uh, for condominiums are leveraged by people who use it as a moneymaker. They're basically robbing from the fees that people pay to the condo association. Uh, there's a couple of folks I know that I, I brought them uh, up to speed on the fact that I said the books, have you seen the books of the condo association? Well, they, they won't give them to us. You're kidding. No, go to the attorney general's office. What? It's like, it's a state law. You're kidding. Oh dear God. No, here, <laughs> look here. You, the AG's office has to force that condo association to cough up those books. They can't be, be spending money for all of you and not produce a sale. Oh, and by the way, the, the books, the accounting books have to be audited by a third party. And by the way, that third party better not be somebody who's related to somebody on the board because that seems to be what's going on here. So again, you have a lot of tools at your disposal. It's just people don't know where to look. They don't know that, how to that, use these things. Does that apply to HOAs as well? I believe it does. Okay. It depends on your state. But again, and this is, this is where, again, you don't want to run the meter with a lawyer, but at the same time, um, do your research, do what you can go talk to, uh, I've had people look at me funny and say, well, I can't talk to those people. I'm not an attorney. Go talk to LexisNexis, go talk oh, to yeah. Westlaw. Those are the big, big, big it firms who provide software used by attorneys. But you as a general person, you can go to those companies and say, I, I need to buy about a half an hour of somebody's time at your firm and go research this. And by the way, Think about that because you're not relying on a single lawyer now. You're relying on thousands of lawyers who work for those firms whose job it is to help other lawyers. I'm pretty darn sure going straight to the horse's mouth is going to get you the data you need. So in all of your personal lives, when it comes to these things, again, and this, and I truly mean this, this is the kind of stuff I've been trying to post on Discord, both in the, the tools, I think it's called tools, section, and then periodically on my own little, my own little Vela section. And then the other thing, too, is, as I've mentioned this to CJ, and I need to get off my bacon and do this, uh, I need to work with CJ to build an actual tool list for all of you on both, because uh, I've already got it here on my own resources. You know, these are the browser sites you use for um, international trade. These are the browser sites you use for legal information, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And last but not least, I wanted to give a, a shout out to a lot of brave people out there that we owe a debt of thanks to. Um, when it comes to a, a number of things, most of these I'm about to list are government related, but there's a lot of investigative reporters, a lot of authors who have done us a great service and we need to thank these people because many of them are dead. There was an investigative reporter down in Florida. Um, it popped up again recently this week. His name is Tom Lemons. He spent a lot of time investigating federally funded women's shelters in Hernando County, which is kind of midway between Tampa and Orlando. The sheriff and other government officials are on the board of that woman's shelter, and the shelter's in horrible shape. Now, the net of his investigations were local officials were stealing federal grant money, which is why the shelter's in such horrible condition, and, and the needs of these uh, at-risk women, and let's be candid, men, is, being, is not being served. So you guessed it. Local officials have tried to put him up on charges. Uh, and this is a whole new one. You got to love this. Florida is literally trying to pass a law, Senate Bill 70, saying that you cannot post a documentary anywhere about domestic violence centers in Florida as that may be considered malicious content. Somebody, somebody posted recently, uh, DeSantis needs to get on that one. Yes, yeah, um, but Tom, Tom, <laughs> Tom's had threats against his life, but he's still alive and he's doing the Lord's work. And I, I hope he's successful and he needs, he needs some backup. We've got Gary DeVore, 
who wrote and was involved in investigating narcotics trafficking. He knew folks in the Bush administration. Uh, I remember this one vividly. Um, he disappeared, went completely uh, virtual, uh, was placing phone calls to to friends and and, so, and family members from payphones and things. Um, always kept a uh, very early model laptop with him at all times in a briefcase with all of his paperwork. Uh, they found him later in an aqueduct in California where he literally would have had to drive into traffic for his car or his uh, Ford Explorer to be found there. Uh, the vehicle's doors were still locked. Uh, and when they found him, his hands were missing. <laughs> There's been a couple of books written about him, including The Rider with No Hands. For you Babylon 5 fans, um, uh, the actress who played uh, Susan Ivanova, um, she was actually either dating or involved with Gary for a while. Uh, that one kind of blew my mind. Uh, she was in a, uh, there's a documentary about him, uh, Gary DeVore, where uh, she's part of the interview. Claudia Christian, uh, where she's part of the interview. Uh, one of the more well-known ones is uh, Gary Webb. Uh, he was the investigative journalist oh, yeah. uh, looking into the CIA and narcotics. Um, there was a movie with Jeremy Renner Kill, playing him called Kill, Kill the Messenger. Messenger. Yeah, yep. which was excellent. Um, ridiculed, attacked six ways from Sunday. You don't know what you're talking about. You're making this up. Filed a whole bunch of FOIAs. Guess what? CIA acknowledged many of the things Webb talked about. Webb gets killed under mysterious circumstances. We had Danny Casolaro, who was investigating the U.S. government uh, hacking of what was known as the Promise, P-R-O-M-I-S, software tool that the Justice Department used to monitor financial transactions. Uh, Casolaro was investigating that there were rumors, um, which sort of turned out not to be rumors, that U.S. intelligence had bugged the software and then sold it to other countries as a backdoor. Um, what is interesting about Danny is, is that... I totally China does that. Right. Uh, I read a piece somewhere that he kind of learned from what happened to Gary DeVore. And what Danny did was, was pretty clever. He took a lot of his documentation and he put it out hidden in like caches, if you will, in different locations. And different reporters that he knew, knew where one or two of those might be, but no one person knew where they all were. And so what happened was, is after Casolaro, by the way, found him in a hotel room, slid his wrists like 12 times. Casolaro's family said that he was unbelievably afraid of blood. Like if he had a nosebleed, he'd almost pass out. Mm. And then my personal favorite, um, the local mortician cremated his body without the family's knowledge. You cannot make this stuff up. Oh, my God. But on the positive side, what happened? Casolaro's friends found his different caches of documentation. Several books have been written about Danny, including one called The Last Circle, uh, where uh, these various authors took pieces of, of what they had from him and continued his work. We had Michael Hastings, uh, who oh, wrote, yeah. the oh, yeah, wrote the articles about mm -hmm. the NSA. Yeah, brought down McChrystal. Uh, v, you were joking about this one, where uh, for those of you who have seen the video, he's the guy who in 2013... Uh, flew by a security camera, and just like you see on TV, on every TV show from the 70s and 80s, when a car goes over a cliff and it just explodes for no reason, uh, his car flies down the road and it explodes three times. Yep. Because that's what happens. And the engine happens. block on his yes. Mercedes C300 gets lobbed like 100 yards away from the car. Yes, and I'm sure he shot himself with a nail gun, too, to make sure he was thorough. 
Yes. Um, then another another one who's less known, but I'm I'm very fond of this of this gentleman, uh, Terry Reed. Uh, Terry Reed was the guy who wrote the book I've mentioned several times called Compromised, if you can find a copy. Mm. Uh, Terry was the guy who wrote about the Clintons, narcotics trafficking, and that all yep. over North was actually the CIA handler for Bill Clinton. Yep. Uh, a lot of what was going on in Arkansas in the 80s and the 90s. But I've actually a patriot. Well, <laughs> head fake. Um, you know, and the other thing, I've, I've, I've got a, a, a friend, uh, someone I knew in high school, but we've become better friends as time has gone on, who's an author. Um, and he knows his way around Arkansas very well. And I remember meeting him at a conference once where I asked him about something and his comment was, I will meet you across the Arkansas state border in a roadhouse on an old dusty road. And I will talk to you about that topic, but, but we are not, we are not discussing Arkansas under any other circumstances. Um, and I totally respect why my, my, uh, my, my counterpart felt that way. So in conclusion on, on those authors and, and some of the other comments I had on the whole, you know, quote unquote, why thing, there are tools, there are resources out there for all of us folks. Let's not waste it. Um, a lot of folks have committed their lives, their energy, their efforts, and in some cases have lost their lives trying to make sure that, that we understand what's, what's really going on. Well, one thing I want to I say real quick before you move forward about the whole Terry Reid thing. Um, we can't forget somebody who was also connected to Terry Reed, who they destroyed, they ruined, and in the last minutes, days of his life, he just he ended it. It was uh, Detective Michael Rupert. Remember? Yes, him? yes, 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 Amazing. yes. And there's there's lots of examples like this, folks. There's you know I could probably do a whole show, kind of like V did, on all of the people who've shot themselves with a nail gun. Still, still, definitely my top five of V's uh, V's programs. So again, a lot in one sitting. Uh, I know some of you were taking notes, but but that's that's why this program has replay. Um, so wishing everybody a really great uh, weekend and happy Mother's Day for for all of you out there and or celebrations with uh, your moms. And uh, V and CJ, any any closing comments for us? Siege, I think he fell asleep again. Edible. No, Siege had to take a take a call earlier. Oh. He may still be on that. This is this is not what happened with you and Matthew, where it's like, well, oh. <laughs> I guess we're still going. <laughs> I, he, he just texted. He said he's uh, he's back. Oh, he fell asleep. He had another edible. He's got. He's out. <laughs> is he out? Is he back? I'm not sure. I'm not Hobo sure. Hobo sermons. I love that hillbilly yakuza. That's like what happened with <laughs> uh, uh, Buford Pusser. Unbelievable, man. You know, it, it, it is crazy to me. That in a plethora, like, you know, every single American, right? Every single American, you ask them, do you think the JFK assassination was a conspiracy? I guarantee you at least eight or nine out of ten would say yes. But there's no impetus. There's no gut reaction that immediately forces up or triggers up saying, you know what? Yeah, it was an assassination. Yeah, it was a conspiracy. And yeah, we need to find out who did it. And most likely it's elements within the government itself. And they don't make the connection that if you're living in a government, you're living in a country where the government is whacking its own presidents or, or committing coups against its own, its own sitting uh, officials in office and doing all the other heinous things to its own citizenry, and yet we have the power to do so in terms of change, in terms of confronting this, and we do nothing. It is gravely problematic. 
it is wonderful to get caught up in the salaciousness of 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 a, of a Michael of, of a you know Matthew Hastings, right? A Michael here, Hastings, here. right? It's great to get caught up in hey, what happened in in in, in Nashville, right? Like you you're, you keep mentioning it, right? It's it's you know, folks, these are not minutia, innocuous things that are just out there. These are all red flags that are screaming at you, grabbing you by the scruff of your neck, pulling you up out of the doldrums of your own sleep, and yelling in your face with spittle, saying, wake up, danger, danger, Will Robinson. And yet we fall asleep because we think somebody else is going to solve it. Yet we fall asleep because we think that, hey, you know, I don't need to worry about it. I'm just going to go, you know, do my nine to five and get home. We're in dangerous times, folks. Dangerous times. I think. I think, Velas, this is a dangerous decade. It it is. And two two takeaways. One is remember, remember, remember the fifth of November. Remember, everyone. Not a treason plot. It was Dulles. It was Dulles, the director of the CIA. I've got a bookshelf, as I know some of you do. I have a bookshelf. I probably have ten easily books on the Kennedy assassination, all with different angles, all with different theories. And I, I welcome it. I welcome, you know, as I used to tell friends of mine in undergrad and graduate school, I don't care if your theory is batshit crazy, go with it. You know, to quote from Fight Club, and you just went with it. Go with it. Because even if you're wrong, it's a learning experience. Yeah. You're going to understand better how to research. You're going to understand why the data may have misled you and how to be better next time. This is how you learn mistakes, folks. My God, we're living in a world where everyone is afraid of making a mistake and everybody has to get a pat on the head. I love um, oh, uh, Chris Titus's thing about, about every, everybody gets a medal. I want my dad standing there going, ah, you still suck. All right, good. But it was Dulles who said, when, when I've got the transcript sitting right here, when the committee was meeting on Kennedy's assassination, several people in the room said, we're gravely concerned that the public may put two and two together, even though our official report's going to say this. That's exactly what was said in that room. And Dulles' response was, the American people don't read. Don't worry. They'll never. I mean, how bold. And how bad on all of us that the data is sitting in the damn Warren report. Yep. It's right there. Now, the details on Scorzani and the details on, um, oh, dear God, uh, 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 Baron de Morenschild mm -hmm. and several other players. Okay, that's come out recently. And we've got other detail from some academics. The guy who wrote the In the Storm series, uh, John Newman. Holy crap. If you ever needed a desk reference, there it is. But the point is that the data is there. And that leads to my second point, which is I remember my Eastern European relatives in their final years looking at me, talking to other family members, like handing us the Ark of the Covenant saying, they will tell you this doesn't exist. They will tell you that Imperial Russia was this horrific prison camp and everyone was horribly treated and all of these other lies. And I remember them handing knowledge to me and my family members saying, go find this book, go find this newspaper article from these years that like we're holding on to the most critical archive there is because there's no way to know what we knew. Yeah. Unless you had books that are out of print, old newspaper articles or somebody who was standing there in front of you saying, I was there. I was there when St. Petersburg was in fire and we fled the country. And the point I'm making is, I've said this several times on this show. I'm as serious as a heart attack. 
I am at at heart, I'm an amateur scholar and researcher, have been my whole life. I have to work a full-time job to pay for all this. But in all seriousness, I've said this several times. I know a lot of you may not believe this. I have never in human history seen this level of detail and awareness and knowledge that is out there that we see today. All of you have access to information that my relatives like literally had to smuggle out of countries and hand us copies of that we had to take photographs of to make sure that that, that piece of information didn't get lost. And now I can go to alternative news. I can go to university websites. I can go to archives. The data is there. And again, I know this stuff can get depressing. I know it can really beat you down. Don't let it do that. We are, we are at a level of almost reaching fusion-level consciousness here. We've got to start working on the tools and how we're going to do something about it. I'll shut up now. Very well said. That's the coffee. I'm sorry. That's the coffee. <laughs> <laughs> Very well said, Vellis. Very well said. And that is the end of the show, folks. We have Harley Schlender coming up next. Uh, anything else you guys want to mention? Real, real quick, in, in regards to what Vela said, I, I completely agree. And, and, and I'm going to this thing, and I know in regards to some of what I say is, is fear, doom, gloom, but I truly believe we're entering the decade of disclosure, that as everything falls apart, like the, they can't suppress the truth anymore. However, in saying that, we also have to realize there's going to be a lot of disinformation come at us as well. And and I'm not going to speak to what that disinformation is. I think everyone here is smart enough to understand what that is. And they will try to convince you that there's something great that's that's happening behind the scenes and, and all these things are going on. And at the same time, what, what Vellis is referring to, doing the research to understand and, and grasp these things, they will try to prevent that information from coming forward. So very well said, Vellis. Great show today. Thanks, everybody. Absolutely. And with that being said, CJ, take it away.